Welcome, you're listening to the podcast Outlander Soul, searching for the soul of Outlander with me, Dr. Jamie Reeves. And me, Reverend Terry Menifee-Gow. Just be aware, there's going to be spoilers here. All right, we're on. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it is weird to be in the same place. <laughs> so what we're talking about is that Jamie has skipped over the pond and come back to Virginia. Bloop, bloop, bloop. I'm in Richmond. <laughs> Yep. So we're in the same spot. And this is actually, not a transatlantic conversation anymore. We're in my house, yeah. and my husband took a lovely picture that yeah. Jamie is going to post. So we'll you can go to our on website. Social media, you can yeah. see us. Uh, and she's here, and we're just so thrilled. Yay. So um, this is, we're recording this towards the end of June um, mm-hmm. with the anticipation this is going to be released. The week that we are going to be where, Jamie? We're going to go to Wild Goose again this year. So if you don't know about Wild Goose, it's a festival that happens in Hot Springs, North Carolina, just outside of Asheville. And it is a festival of faith and social action and arts and culture. And so, yeah, we're going to be there and be recording an episode while we're there as well. Uh And talking about running conversations on... I am going to be speaking a couple of conversations on theology and time travel. Yeah. Yeah, which is going to be fun. So not just um, not just Outlander, but no, time no, just travel in, in general. Yeah, I'll, in general, um, talking a little bit about the different ways people have talked about time travel and talked about the universe in that mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Cool. Yep. And then we'll be recording a podcast with the... Uh, was it the goose, goose cast. cast goose yes. cast goose yes cast. um around reading fiction as sacred text again so we did one on that topic uh last year with in conversation with a few friends um but this one will probably be slightly more focused and less gin infused <laughs> Well, we'll have better gin this year, I And it'll think. be a better recording. You won't probably hear the crickets in the background <laughs> or and the drone else. overhead. I just remember the drone overhead. That's that was right. so loud. Yeah. But we'll also have, we'll probably have a lot more people too, I yeah. think. Um, I'm hoping, crossing yeah. fingers that we will have more people. But we had we had one person from the group and we loved having her. She yeah, was fantastic. Right. Megan yeah. Was yeah, Megan. Yeah, Megan. Yeah, so right. maybe she'll be there again this year. We'll see. We hope. So yeah, so that's coming up uh, the weekend of the 12th through the 14th of July. Um, and as far as I know, tickets are still available so if you're listening to this and you're like gotta go um (laughs) by all means come find us i have to say i didn't know what to expect last year when i went Mm. because i'm thinking there's a bunch of evangelicals and yeah they're not they're not evangelicals really anymore no post-evangelicals yes i think post-evangelical is the best way of putting that it was it was really a different a different thing that I than I expected. Right. Okay. There was a large LGBTQ presence there yeah. that was really awesome. I don't know. It was just it was a really cool feeling, and yeah. I, I was impressed with with what mm. they did there. Yeah. Yeah, emphasis on racial justice, yep. um, economic justice, uh, uh, justice for good the stranger. Work. You yep. know, absolutely. Yep. It was just it was really. I was impressed. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll be doing um, another session this year on hospitality as resistance. So kind of looking at it more politically. So yeah, it'll be an interesting, it'll be an interesting crowd. We don't get into politics, do we? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We'll, uh, yeah. We kind of, yeah. Anyway. (laughs) We try to be careful. We do, but uh, I think sometimes it, you know, Mm. gets in 
there. I did have um, somebody send us a message on Facebook saying that we needed to reach out to Sam Hewen and Katrina Balf and tell them to stop spreading fake news media stuff on their <laughs> social media. Um, <laughs> And my response was, what do you want me to do about that? Do you think we know them personally and have any sort of control on their political affiliations? Um, And why would I do that anyway? If I knew Sam Ewan and Katrina Bell, I think I would be using my relationship with them for very different reasons. Yes, yes. And saying, you know what? Post all that anti-Trump stuff. That's great. That's fine with us. Um, So, yeah, that was fun. That just endears them to me more. And she was like, and they're not even Americans. How dare they? I was like, oh, dear God. How often Um, have we talked about the folks over uh, in Europe? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So we have a new episode for you. Yeah. Um, And we're going to be talking about vengeance and justice in this episode. But a couple admin things before we start. First, just to remind you, we have a Teespring website where you can get t-shirts and mugs and bags and stickers and all that kind of good stuff. So it's at teespring.com slash stores slash Outlander Soul. Or you can just go to Teespring and then search for Outlander Soul. Yeah. 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 That'll work. And then we would love your supports. We continue to need support for things like <laughs> website upkeep and yeah. our time and even just, you know, things like making sure our website is secure. Yeah. And so we would love if you could become Patreons mm-hmm. for us, if you could be patrons for us. And you can support us at patreon.com. Mm-hmm. Just again, search for Outlander Soul and you should be able to find us. Or you could just go to our website and click on the support us button and you can find various ways so if you don't want to support us through patreon there's ways to do that through paypal Mm -hmm. if you just wanted to do a one-time gift or you can support us in in just a myriad of ways yeah so there's a whole list that you can go to so outlandersoul.com and and uh, click on the support us link in the top right corner we had a couple people sign up um, a couple weeks ago for um, both with PayPal and as Patreon so we're really thankful for that in the UK there's a grocery store called Tesco and their phrase is every little bit helps but that's true every little bit helps every little bit helps for us and thank you so much for those who are supporting us yeah also we have a voicemail from a listener Marilyn Pekila rhymes with tequila but starts with p she says so hey marilyn um anyway so marilyn uh, has a bit to share with us um that actually fits really well i think with this episode so here's marilyn yeah hello friends my name is marilyn pequila i've just discovered your podcast and i just finished listening to part two of sexual violence in outlander i think you're spot on in your analysis of jamie's treatment of geneva and the culture of sexual violence, but I was also reminded of the words of Ian in a letter that he wrote in which he compares Jamie to Simon Fraser. He wrote that there is a hardness in him now, a glimpse of steel at the back of his eyes that was not there before Culloden. What troubles me is that I have seen that steel in your own eyes, brother. I know too well the sights that freeze a man's heart to harden his eyes in that fashion. I trust that you will forgive my frankness, but I have feared for your soul many times since Culloden. He goes on to say he thinks it was probably that that caused Jenny to throw Leary at Jamie's head and that he is very fortunate in Claire. 
and he finishes, There is a burning fire in such a man as Simon Fraser, but no heart. I hope never to say the same of you or of young Ian. I think this definitely supports what you were saying about the changes in Jamie during the 20 years of Claire's absence and also supports that she is what helps him avoid the same fate of Simon Fraser. Thanks, folks. Love your podcast. Yeah, and, and I think uh, Marilyn, I think, is quite right about the the comments that she made around sexual violence. And, and we've talked about, you know, Jamie's treatment of Geneva and that how it's that's really... It's problematic. Yeah, it's problematic. It's really, you know, I, it, I get that it's realistic mm. for the time mm. and for the expectations of women, but mm. it just... Yeah really sent cold shivers down my spine when it happened. Yeah. Uh, when I read that, I just wanted to pick up my book and throw it across the room. Yeah. So. And yeah, her comment around Ian's concern about Jamie after Culloden, that something around violence killing the soul. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think that's really interesting in the context of the conversation we're about to have. So. Yeah, yeah. So. All right. So we had a couple of episodes that kind of bleed into each other, <laughs> so to speak, flyance and dust, that mm-hmm. we've had. Mm-hmm. We've had our episode on friendship and <clears throat> holy friendships and uh, other friendships in the series. And then the last one we had that kind of came out of friendship was the role of honor and oaths and taking oaths to each other and how that affects relationship and affects relationship within community mm-hmm. or with or within for each other like Jamie's oath to his community yep. and also his oath to Claire yep. different different types of oaths but mm-hmm. obviously uh, very clear that these were oaths that he was worth dying for in both times mm. but that also gets into broken oaths broken promises yeah. and injustice and mm-hmm. vengeance and how that plays out in Outlander and so mm-hmm. we felt like that this was a really wonderful kind of segment to look at as a whole, mm. but to take it in bits and pieces because it's kind of hard to yeah, wrap your head around Yeah, they're it. all connected, but they needed to be sort of separated into different themes. So, yeah, so yeah we kind of start with the positive, with the friendships and, and just kind of relationships in general. The vengeance and justice are deeply connected to oaths and honor. And I don't think that we are really able to do this justice (laughs) Um, honestly I don't think we can uh, because there's just so much in there the text is so rich and it really kind of is infused this idea of honor and justice and Mm. and then the vengeance that comes with it and violence Mm -hmm. it it just doesn't yeah I don't think we are we can fully talk about it here so if there's other pieces that we've missed and Mm. I know that there are if there's other comments that you all would mm. like to make, please, please, please do what Marilyn did. Call us. <laughs> yeah. Give us a voice yeah. message. Yeah. Send us a note via email or or through our contact form online. We would love to hear from you. Yeah. Facebook messages are great. Just oh, yeah. we won't respond about fake me- news media stuff. <laughs> um, we, we will laugh at you on the show. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah. Oh, sorry about that, guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, but... Okay, so we've talked about violence in the in the connection of sexual violence, but we haven't talked about violence in a general way. And I don't know that we're going to specifically be talking about violence in a general way, but understanding 
that violence is part of the vengeance and justice conversation. Yeah. And then the next episode after this one will be on forgiveness and mercy. Yeah. So this one's vengeance and justice, the next one on forgiveness and mercy. And violence is going to play a part in both of those in a really strong way, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. But if we need to after this bit, or if you guys want us to do a specific episode just on violence then we could probably do that. I think we've got enough notes and enough thought and knowledge about it that we could, but it might be covered in these. We're not, I'm not quite sure. Yeah, I, we could Your probably go deeper on some of them, but if there's yeah. a place where you'd like to go deeper in this conversation, <clears throat> yeah. we can certainly do that. Yeah. So, but at the same time, also knowing that we're just constantly just scratching the surface that for all of these things, we can be going so much deeper. So, so the top vengeance and justice scenarios in Outlander that we kind of made a list and thought we should at least give a nod to or mention or say yep this is one of them yep with a view that maybe when we go back and talk about forgiveness and mercy in the next episode that we kind of come back to this list and say how does forgiveness and mercy play in each of these scenarios or not as the case may be yeah let's just do the list first and and then we can kind of start talking about each one does that make sense yep okay most obvious one jamie and blackjack randall yep 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 that's kind of the biggest one yeah that is probably yeah throughout the series even after blackjack is long dead and gone no even even in uh, season eight even book eight yeah you still get uh shades of Blackjack floating around. Yeah. Yeah. Claire and Jamie after Claire loses faith or after they lose faith. You mean uh, them on the together on the mountainside? No, I, well, I guess that's certainly part of it. Yeah. Yeah. But connected certainly to the forgiveness and mercy. I still have that horrible scene from the show of him Scotland, you know, like in the bad (laughs) wig and the, and beard, but the, where he's actually in the books, at least they're having a conversation in the gazebo and, and she is trying to decide whether to forgive him or not. And the justice idea of her wanting restitution for what has happened. Yeah. I think, I think that's, yeah, or, or should she can... leave him in jail, exactly. that type of thing, and, and how yeah. she gets him out of jail, and is there yeah. justice in all of that? Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Um, Myrta and the Duke of Sandringham. Yeah. yeah. Somebody sent me a message not too long ago asking if we would spend any time on Myrta. And we keep talking about Marta kind of as as an aside or, you know, like his relationship to Jamie's being quite popular or, right. you know, and important in the story. But yeah, I think we need to spend some time on Marta. Well, especially now that Marta goes beyond book two. Yeah. So <laughs> in, the, yeah. in the book series, Marta dies at Culloden. Yeah. And Jamie does not have that relationship with him except when he's calling mm. out the the soul of Myrta, the spirit of Myrta to help him when mm-hmm. he's praying mm-hmm. and and fond memories of course but now that the show has brought mm-hmm. more Myrta in we need to talk about how the show at least is yeah. depicting Myrta yeah and his and certainly as far as vengeance and justice goes Mar- that's kind of Myrta's role um, yeah, in some yeah. ways Brie and Stephen Bonnet I, I can't wait to talk about that yeah we haven't really talked about that at all, except no. for maybe in the sexual violence episode yeah. saying, oh, yeah, it happened. Brie is also a victim, you know, that yeah. kind of stuff. But as far as how 
we may need to do an entire episode just on Brie and Stephen Bonnet, actually. Honestly, that would be a good idea because the that goes on for like four books. It does. It's a huge theme. Roger Next. and Buckley Mackenzie. Yeah. Yeah. And the issues of justice and mm. mercy there. Mm-hmm. Um, Spoilers, obviously, but Roger is almost dies it's hung lost loses his voice and it's at buckley's hand on the whole and whether or not yeah there's work to be done there claire's kidnapping and rape in a breath of snow and ashes right right and then jamie going berserker obviously along with the The rest rest of of the, the men yeah the rest of the men they go and they clear out that whole encampment yeah then Ian's personal journey with Archie Bug yeah. and the fact that he, Ian, accidentally mm-hmm. kills Archie's wife, yeah. Mrs. Mrs. Bug, Bug and yeah. Archie is is out for vengeance in the last book, unable to really let go that he has killed his wife. Mm-hmm. But Ian's journey, just in general, too, of kind of, he's also somewhat he's the, in the books. He's the replacement for Marta, I think, in the in the way that someone doing Jamie's vengeance for him, and you know, not in a Jamie abdicating responsibility, but having having someone else there to watch his back and yeah. do the work of honor uh, and justice for the tribe, for the clan, for the he has whatever. his he has his right. Yeah. He has his he has that side to him. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that he's necessarily. Marta's older and, and has taken Jamie in as a godson. Yes, it's so. not the godfather, godson. Well, except that, except that it's reversed. Yeah, Jamie is, is. Jamie's the other, is Ian's godfather. And Ian screws up so much. He just continues <laughs> to screw up. Yeah. And the, the fact that he accidentally kills Archie's wife mm. is just the biggest, mm. worst thing that could have possibly happened for mm. him at that time. But the whole, I think... Ian's journey becomes, and we we'll talk about this. Blah, blah, blah. Um, but Ian's journey becomes more pointed with when Rachel comes along, mm-hmm. and he says, "I'm a man of violence." Right, um, right, and and she, being a Quaker, yeah, has to either accept that or no. Yeah. So okay, so we talked about violence in Outlander, and it, so Outlander, on the whole, I would say is, is quite violent. It is, but it's not gratuitously violent, like. Game of Thrones. No, in I could have gone an entire lifetime without hearing somebody's head crushed between two hands. Yeah. <laughs> I could have gone an entire lifetime without that. I closed yeah. my eyes. I yeah, was. There I, was just, I couldn't watch it. I knew I what was going to happen because I'd read too. the book before. But still. I knew it was going to happen. I could have gone all my life. Yeah. And I feel like well, we're always in violent times. Yeah. But it was a particularly violent place. Mm. It was as Jamie said to Claire. I think you come from a place that's a little bit easier to live in yeah yeah um even though she just came from world war ii yeah yeah isn't that interesting you know yeah. so i i think all times have got violence because mm. i think we're people prone to that but there's a violence to everyday life i think yeah in that well it's personal. life is both so precious and so expendable or so easy to lose yeah yeah i'm not sure well and it's it's personal if you're going to eat something you're going to have to go kill it yeah and there's a violence that you've committed there right yeah yeah. if you need to rescue your daughter from someone you're probably going to go and kill them you're not going to go get your lawyer you're not going to call the police yeah 
you're going to have to go and take your daughter back. Yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> in the sheriff, you know, the sheriffs in Fraser's Ridge aren't aren't there for you. No. no. <laughs> They're there to make sure that they get all of their tax payments and yeah. stuff. The sheriffs are, are just for the political arm. powers yeah, at the time. Yeah, it's just an arm for the politics, yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. <laughs> I'm suddenly, I, like, and how has that changed? But anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you get the full experience, I think, though, of what violence means in Outlander, as opposed to in Game of Thrones, it's a, it's spectacle. There's something about it that is just for the shock value. Again, it's that gratuitous sort of idea. Whereas, so I'm just thinking, so like the... Uh, we refer to it occasionally, but the Scott and the Sassnack podcast that was out for a while, they did an episode on the Garrison Commander episode in season one. So it was like commentary where you watch it together and, and they're commenting as you go along. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about how the violence in Outlander is ruthlessly naturalistic, but that it treats violence with the respect that it deserves, as opposed to it being flippant or, again, spectacle, spectacle yeah. or gratuitous. That it has consequences and that it, it causes trauma that needs to be dealt with. Not It's not dealt with as longly as we actually do deal with it. But it, it is at least longer than most TV shows tend to Well, yeah. Focus. I mean, Jamie still is having flashbacks to Black Jack Randall. Yeah, he helps Claire get through her rape because he's been raped. Yeah. I like that as far <clears throat> as... I, I, I went to go see many, many, many years ago when it was out in theaters mm-hmm. i went to go see pulp fiction oh yeah and it was it was the first tarantino movie i'd ever seen and it was i'm watching the movie and it was so violent and yeah. so disturbing mm. and i came out of there just going what the what did i just see yeah and i remember talking to somebody about it and i'm like i just really didn't like it it made me feel so awful because of the violence mm. and he's like well that's how violence should make you feel mm. Instead of, if you are watching something this violent, you shouldn't be like, oh, yay, you just killed the bad guy. Yeah. You should actually feel something gut-wrenching about watching somebody go through that. Yeah. And it, it was extraordinarily, there were, the, the rape scene in that movie mm. is horrendous. Mm. And I, I can just remember just my gut clenching during that. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah, I struggle with that because... Okay, so personal story here. I lived and worked in Bosnia after the war for about two and a bit years um, in Sarajevo. And so I remember I met someone who uh, had lived in Sarajevo during the siege, uh, during the war. And HBO had made a film about her family and, and their life. We watched the film before it had been cut in her house. And this was, you know, two years after the war had ended. And I'm sitting there going, oh my gosh, this person has lived through this horrific story. And the next night I went to a film festival that was being, Sarajevo has a film festival every summer, and um, watched The Jackal, which was a right. Bruce Willis yeah, film. Yeah, they filmed that here in Richmond, actually. Oh, did they? Yeah, right. They did. I was so upset after watching it. And I think what why I was upset was because I had been in the presence of someone who had lived through that kind of violence. And the atmosphere in which and I was in her home and she was telling us about, you know, the experience that that it was mm. 
that it was like. And then it wasn't all completely true because the stuff they changed was easier to take than what the real thing had been, right? And so I'm sitting there and I'm watching the jackal getting really upset because I'm like, we're sitting here watching this for entertainment. Yeah. This isn't documentary, even though the jackal is a real, you know, was a real person. That we're not watching it. it in order to find out more about the jackal. We're watching it for for fun. Yeah. Right. They glorify it. Yeah. And so for me, it's I can't watch pulp fi- any Quentin Tarantino films. I can't watch anything violent. And I'm completely a hypocrite here because I do watch Game of Thrones. <laughs> That's but the I, only really violent thing yeah, that I watch other than... Exactly, other than stuff that feels real. Yeah. That feels like it has an impact. So, like, I can watch documentaries all day long about war. I, I don't like to, but I can. And I feel I need to. And I have a responsibility to. Like, Netflix is when they see us. Uh, yes, about the yeah. the Central Park Five, Five yeah. it's on my list. I need to watch that. I feel really responsible for watching that. The violence of that system and of everything that's happening, you know, in that, I feel like you need to do right. You need to own it, own the our history. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But am I going to watch that out of entertainment? No. No. And so I think that's the difference. Is that for Outlander, it doesn't feel like entertainment. It feels like real life. And it feels like it, it's not glorified at all. Mm. Going into Culloden, going into Preston Pans, it's not a glory. It's not a glory moment. No, it's a moment of well, this is what's going to happen to me. Yeah, these people are going to die. There yeah. is a cost for our vengeance. Yeah, you can hear my cat meowing in the background. <laughs> you don't normally hear her. She's this decided is, to come join this us. This is Maggie, Hello. and Maggie. and Maggie uh, was found yeah. in a dumpster. Aww. And so she's still a little bit feral. She tries to seek love, and and she doesn't quite know how to do it. <laughs> but she's she's her tail she's here is to, whipping around. Whipping around. She's gonna bite me any second. <laughs> I'm rubbing her face, and she's gonna bite me any second. She's a little fat cat, but we love her. All right. Um, we were talking about. So we're talking a lot about violence. Yeah. Because. So so much of violence is connected to vengeance and justice. We do. We commit violence as a payback like we're in a cycle right so you do this and then we'll do this to you and then you've got to pay somebody back for the violence that they committed against you kind of thing payback isn't always violent though. no it doesn't have to be no it can be just but be that's cruel what, in other ways well, yeah. yeah that's true well yeah that's true yeah but at least in Outlander, there's some serious... Like, I mean, like, we haven't even talked about Leary. No. That's another... That's another vengeance another justice. Another vengeance justice thing. Yeah, um, we could add Leary to the list. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, at least in Leary trying to have Claire killed, mm. uh, it, it's a violent thing, but, she, but what she does is not so violent. <laughs> what she does is mm. put a note and send a note and she lies mm-hmm. to hurt someone else mm. I was thinking more of her vengeance against Jamie <laughs> <laughs> um, or wait no she was going to kill Claire yeah she tried to and kill then Jamie Claire. jumped in front she okay so in the in the television show right in the book too right when she shoots oh, Jamie yeah, when she shoots and he she was meaning to shoot Claire, Claire. I thought he, she was meaning to shoot Jamie 
Well, maybe she was. I think she was meaning she. Oh no! I'm such a. Ah! Oh, how dare I have a podcast and not know that <laughs> that detail? I'm pretty sure that he, she was trying to kill Jamie because he had gone back to the Whore of Babylon or yes, something okay. like that. Yeah, right. And um, she aimed for him and killed him, or tried to kill him. Yeah, she shot um, him in the arm. Yeah. But I'm, I'm thinking specifically about her mm. and Cranesmere and and mm. how she does not commit violence there, mm. but she lies so that someone else can do her dirty work. Yeah, well, then we can also, we say we're not going to, you know, do a whole episode on violence, but we could also talk about violence in a non-physical yeah, sort of Yeah, doing violence, violence against someone. I think by that your... was a violent act that she committed, but it wasn't Wasn't actually arms. her, yeah. Yeah. Hurting yeah. or killing or slapping or doing anything like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, well, we can add Leary to the list then. So, Jamie and Blackjack. Jamie Vengeance and, Blackjack. and justice. He has every right Jamie has every right for vengeance and justice, I think. You do? What what gives somebody the right? Okay, so maybe that's my big question up here. Yeah, okay. What gives someone the right to commit violence or to seek vengeance against someone? And we, I was just having a conversation similar to this with my yeah. husband last night. What gives someone the right mm. to do that? Where do you draw that line that allows you to go and hurt someone for hurting you or for committing an injustice so for me the difference is you might have the right to do that in the sense of how our society is structured at the time but you don't have to give in to that right you don't have to take that right so it's the same kind of conversation i think around privilege as well that you might have particular types of privilege but whether or not you choose to exercise that privilege is a is another is another thing right. it's a separate thing so thinking about the civil rights movement around nonviolent protests around direct action that kind of stuff they had every right to fight back violently but the the power of of nonviolent protest is they choose not to they choose to use a different means that gives space for transformation that gives space for change so you have the right to do it. You have right you for don't vengeance, have to. vengeance, but instead you're choosing a nonviolent way to reach justice. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So that's how I would understand that. And you believe that Jamie has the right mm. to kill Blackjack Randall yeah. for what he did to him. Yeah. And the choice to do it is up to him whether or not he has the right. Yeah. I Well, I think we, are, we all deserve justice. Mm -hmm. And for him, killing Blackjack... At that particular time, that was the way to get justice, was to kill him. Right. But I think we also know that even though that might be the standard way to do it, or that might be the way to enact vengeance, it doesn't always have to be that. We can choose something else. What do you think? Do you not think he has the right? Oh, I think he has the right. I'm just I'm just wondering where the right is. Mm. I think as... I think as Christians, the idea of justice and mercy and vengeance gets so muddled. Yeah, it does. Particularly as women, mm. we've been told to forgive, 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 mm. right? Mm. And we've been told that in seeking our own justice, we should provide mercy. And that in seeking our own justice is that being Christian. Mm. And I'm thinking particularly about young women who are raped and you get to courts and they go, but this poor young man, he's so young and he, 
he made a mistake. It was a 15-minute mistake that he made. Yeah. How could you demand that we excise justice upon this mm-hmm. 21-year-old man who's got all of his life in front of you for a 15-minute mistake? Yeah. And we've, at least in, in my life, as a Southern evangelical woman or raised mm-hmm. evangelical woman, I was raised to say I should choose the way of mercy mm-hmm. and make sure that he is taken care of rather than taking care of myself because mm-hmm. you know that young woman who's been raped is also young and mm-hmm. has her whole life in front of her and he didn't exercise that level of mercy when he raped her yeah you know so um, and and this is so this why is, is the responsibility on her and not him exactly the, the, so exactly. the moral burden lies on the victims as opposed to the perpetrators it does and i, I think yeah. that that's here with jamie i think i'm fine with jamie demanding vengeance for mm-hmm. what blackjack did to him blackjack did it to fergus blackjack did it and will continue to it do to it loads of people not yeah i am fine with him killing blackjack randall mm-hmm. uh, i don't want to look at his smirky little face anymore <laughs> <laughs> i'm tired of it <laughs> Jamie, unfortunately, in the books does not, and he doesn't in the in the movie or in the television show either, have the memory of killing Blackjack Randall. Mm. So he does not have the memory of, of he knows he's dead, so he doesn't have the satisfaction of actually having that memory yeah. of killing him. Right? Oh, that's her. Oh gosh, I need to spend some time thinking about that. Of how important is the memory of the satisfaction or of vengeance to one sense of justice? I think there's a certain... Then you're right, yeah. There's a certain sense of, you know, taking the responsibility of seeing it carried out and mm. being the present for it. It's the sitting and watching somebody being executed mm. that did something to your family. Mm. I always think about Dead Man Walking in that. Yeah. And the the scene of, of his execution, which is so beautifully done and so horrifying at the yeah. same time of being present for it and mm-hmm. he wasn't I mean he was present for it but he has no memory yeah I'm fine with him obviously killing Black Jack Randall and I don't know how much of that is my cultural understanding of what vengeance is mm. and saying at this level I'm allowed to mm-hmm. to do something to you yeah so from nonviolent perspectives you are always leaving space for transformation and once you choose the route of violence and killing someone that space for transformation is no longer there so the point of acting nonviolently the the point of not killing whether it's death penalty whether it's something like right. this is is about leaving space for the perpetrator to be changed but yeah that's a that's quite a burden to ask the victims to to carry so there's a whole within the psalms there's all different types of psalms right so the ones that you know praise god and you know that kind of stuff but then there's the imprecatory psalms which are the ones that are asking for the enemy's destruction yeah and that they are driven by seeking justice through vengeance or wanting vengeance as a means of getting justice Mm -hmm. And Psalm 137 is horrific. Verse 7, Remember, O Lord, against the Edomites the day of Jerusalem's fall. So Jerusalem had been conquered. So how they said, Tear it down, tear it down, down to its foundations. O daughter Babylon, you devastator. Happy shall they be who pay you back what you've done to us. So again, pay, paying back for vengeance. Yeah. Happy shall they be, happy are the ones, who take your little ones and dash them against the rock. So, basically, you know, calling for the destruction of their children. 
And that's that's how the psalm ends. In this situation, Jamie's situation with Black Jack Randall and, and other situations as well, where you have an enemy who has done you such horrible damage, such horrific trauma. I don't think there is anything wrong with, I think it is purely human to want to pray for the justice to, justice to be done, for them to feel in some way the pain that you might be feeling. Because in this case, their children had been killed. And so you want someone, you want your perpetrator, you want your enemy to understand the damage that they have caused. This psalm ends in this, but I, I don't think that's where it ends. Maybe we're pointing to the forgiveness and mercy point or episode, I guess now. But. Yeah, yeah, I, I think we we are. I I think it's more than just having somebody understand what they've done to you. Mm-hmm. I think it's more that they want you to experience what yeah has happened to you. And I, I I mean I think at least with Jamie, he does not want to give that visit that experience mm-hmm. on Blackjack Randall. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want him to. This isn't an eye for an eye moment, right? No. This isn't a, you cut off my hand, I'm going to cut off yours too. Yeah. This is a, you took this one thing that I had, this beautiful piece of me, and you destroyed it. Yeah. And I have to kill you. Because I won't find peace as long as you're alive. Right. And you will do this again, and you will do this again, and you will do this again. But even if he doesn't do it again and again and again, it's... But yet, later, when Bree and Jamie are having a conversation at Fraser's Ridge... And Bree, and we talked, you know, we'll bring up Bree and Stephen Bonnet. Maybe we can go Wait, into this. That sounds a perfect segue Yeah, let's that. do yeah. that. So, so Bree is having a conversation with Jamie saying, how do you forgive, basically? Or should yeah. I forgive? Or how do I kill this man? And then Jamie basically says, look, you're going to have to find a way to forgive him. And that's the thing. Even though Jamie kills Blackjack Randall, he knows he's dead. Yeah. He's, he still has to deal with the forgiveness factor. Yeah. So here's a question that's never really occurred to me before. When Jamie kills... We don't see it, right? So we even in the book, we don't know when, you know, exactly how it happens. How we, we, he see kills. It in, we see it in the television show. In the television show, but it's an interpretation of what's really not in the books. They've, right. they've chosen to do it in a particular way. Did Jamie kill Blackjack out of vengeance in Culloden, or was it an act of war? Well, he has the excuse for it being an act of war. He has, but he has an excuse for either one. But what I think when in my mind is, remember when, after Alex dies, yeah, in the books, right? Jamie says, come on, man, I'll see you home. Yeah. And he takes Blackjack back to his barracks. Mm-hmm. Now, I think, we'll talk about this next episode, I think forgiveness is a process and you are constantly having to forgive. It's not just a one-time thing. So that doesn't mean that later, if if he did act out of vengeance, that he hadn't forgiven him, forgiven him before or something like that. But I always was like, what the hell? Is Jamie forgiving Blackjack in this mm, moment in time? No, I think it's just an act of mercy. Okay. Um, and I think an act of mercy can come without forgiveness. Yeah, okay. Um, and I, I, to, me, to me, that's more of a, a merciful moment of... You have a reprieve right now. Yeah. But the next time I see you, I'm, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. Okay. Um, he has no choice. They're, they're on the battlefield of Culloden. 
Yeah, and, he has and no choice. But too. did he do it out of I'm going to kill you because of what you've done to me, or I'm going to kill you because you're British Army? And I have no idea. I don't have a choice <laughs> in this matter. I don't think he would, you know, stop from killing him just because. Oh, your brother died. <laughs> Hey, I'll walk you back to your yeah. barracks. I know. It's, yeah. I, I, we I have this bond. They have this bond. You you raped me. I, I will forever be yours and marked forever as yours. Um, yeah. I I don't I don't know. I yeah. I really don't know. We of course we don't know this. We don't know what's going on in his brain. No. Because we don't get that from Diana just yet. I think yeah. that we will in the next couple of books. If she finishes writing them. <laughs> Come on, Terry, give her a break. <laughs> Just in case you're listening, uh-huh. Diana, I'm on your team. <laughs> Write the damn book. <laughs> Write on both. <laughs> anyway, yes. Okay. Well, here's another observation I think I have for this. It's messy. We don't know. It's hard. And that's another realistic thing. Yeah. Is that there's no right or wrong, black and or white maybe he'll answer never in this. No, maybe he won't. So, okay, so here's the next question. Yeah. We're talking about Brie and Stephen Bonnet. Yeah. For those of you who don't read the books, Stephen Bonnet does ultimately die. Yeah. And he is caught for all the terrible things he's ever done. Yeah. And he's put, he's chained to a post with the tide coming in. Yeah. And he has a terrible, terrible fear of drowning yeah and brie comes to see him off mm-hmm. brie comes to watch his execution mm. and she comes out to say something to him and he begs her to kill him yeah and she does yeah an act of mercy that's an act of mercy had she oh, shit here we're talking about forgiveness and mercy I which know. is supposed to be the next episode <laughs> Maybe we're just going to have to make this two parts and it's going to have yeah, to be all I think four. it's going to have to... I think it's all together. Vengeance yeah, isn't always violence. Yeah. Violence isn't always having to do with justice. Yeah. And forgiveness has to, for me, and mercy are a part of all of that. Yeah. So, had she Left succeeded... No, no. Had she succeeded in forgiving him, forgiving him previously? I don't know if she's ever going to forgive him for everything that he put her through again like you said it's a process yeah one day you forgive somebody another day you don't yeah and you have to continually work towards that but and it never means forgetting no (laughs) let's just be really clear here forgiveness does not mean forgetting no forgiveness (sighs) is letting yourself off the hook for what somebody else did to you yeah yeah that's really what it is and I was having this conversation with my husband last night. There's a person in our circle of friends who she's got some mental health issues. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I don't know where the boundary is here. I'm like, the boundary is if she hurts you. Yeah. She doesn't get to hurt you. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, Brene Brown would say the boundaries are what's okay and what's not okay. So what's okay. Yeah. What's not okay is somebody hurting you. You do not allow this to happen. Yeah. And that's when you walk away. And he's like, yeah, but she's got challenges. I'm like, yes, I know she's got challenges. But there are still boundaries. Mm-hmm. You still cannot, if you've got mental illness, go out and choke someone. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, you just can't do it. There mm-hmm. are boundaries. Mm-hmm. And you can blame it on your on your mental illness and your mental health challenges. But you've still got to somehow make up for that. Yeah. You've still got to somehow be kept away from others if you don't have any kind of boundary there yeah and so you know we talked a good a good bit about you know what that means and i'm like he's like well how do i all this stuff that you have to get through 
with people over mm-hmm. many, many years after mm-hmm. they have hurt you. And, and I'm like, yeah, forgiving someone mm-hmm. for what they put you through mm-hmm. and the pain that they've caused you doesn't mean that you have to carry on a relationship with that person ever no, you again. Don't. No. What it means is that you've let yourself off the hook from needing to actually excise vengeance against that person. I think there are stages too. I think we also, oh, also yes. uh, say, you know, we tend to present forgiveness as a you're embracing and you're all back in a happy, happy, happy friendship. And yeah, stuff. everything, no. everything is tickety boo. And yeah, no, it's not. It's not that. And it's not. You know, it there- might be. But it might not be. Forgiveness, I think, in some cases, reconciliation in some cases, right. is just wishing the best for someone and blessing them on their way and never, ever speaking to them again. Reconciliation and forgiveness are two different things. They are. Yeah. And that's, I think, again, has been misplayed in the Christian church. Yeah. They've been wished together. Yeah. And it starts so young. It starts with a little boy pushing you down in the dirt and... They're saying, well, he must like you. Yeah. And then, you know, be friends again. Yeah. And it's like, wait a minute. Does he not get punished for this? Mm-hmm. You know, so, or she, it could be a little girl yeah. that does the yeah. same thing. Yeah. But what they want is quick resolution. And it's not really, a, it's not really just. No, it's not. So, yeah. Okay. So going back to the Psalms, Psalm 85, I do some work on, on my, you know, other, my freelance work. So in the peace and justice work that we would do, we would use kind of Psalm 85 as being a model for this in the sense of, so it says that truth and mercy will meet and righteousness and peace or justice and peace will kiss each other. And and this idea that you can't have truth without mercy, that one tempers the other. So you can tell the truth, but tell it mercifully, but give mercy but also tell the truth so one it's like a checks and balances sort of system and the same that with justice and peace that you can't have peace without justice and that justice without peace is vengeance Mm -hmm. and so uh, as a means by which to keep each in check that mercy tempers the truth and justice side of things and and peace also does that justice yeah yeah yeah, and I forgot where what we were talking about previous to that made that seem I think we were talking about really Brian Stephen way. Bonnet yeah. and, um, and her oh, merciful yeah. act. Yeah. 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 I guess the question, too, so I'm going to quote the thing everybody it. always quotes, vengeance is mine, thus saith the Lord, yeah. I will repay. Yeah, um, and Jamie says that. Yeah. And then says, isn't there, I, remind me, isn't there a place where he says, I know it's yours, but I'm going to do it anyway? Isn't that... What happens to Claire? I think so. It's, it's you know, he says this with Archie Bug, right? Yeah. That he kills for Claire. Yeah. And that he, that she's got an oath upon her. We said this at yeah. our, our last episode. Yeah. That Claire has the Hippocratic oath upon her. Yeah. And so she doesn't, she's charged to do no harm. And so yeah. he kills for her. Yeah. So now she has to go out and he's going to do it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And clean out the woods for her rape. I think he actually, in a prayer... Says, says, I think you're right. Vengeance is yours, I know, but I need to do this anyway. Or at least there's a self-acknowledgement. Maybe it's not in prayer. Maybe it is just a, he's thinking. Well, I yeah. think there's, there's too, this idea that there are certain things that you must do repay yourself. Yeah. That there is an understanding of, at least, at least when Claire is talking with Father Anselm. Mm. So Claire kills a couple of people mm-hmm. in book one yeah 
Uh, she, end, in yeah. particular, kills a young man in a field. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And she goes to Father Anselm, mm-hmm. and she's concerned about the the implications of the timeline. Yeah. What happens? Yeah. Um, she's like, well, I've killed these people. I, I, this isn't going to mess up God's timeline. And, mm-hmm. and he's like, you had no choice. And mm-hmm. at least in the church's point of view mm-hmm. at that time, mm-hmm. and in this particular church, mm-hmm. this was self-defense. And so yeah. you had to kill this young man and so there are certain killings that seem to be okayed by the church and at least in yeah. the highland culture here yeah it seems as though you know when ian talks with jamie about what black jack vandal did to mm-hmm. him mm-hmm. it's a how can you let this man live yeah kind of moment yeah and i think with brie at least in the television show and i think i remember it also being in in the books jamie steers her away Mm-hmm. from going after and trying to kill Stephen Bonnet yep. with the full expectation that he was going to do it. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he kills for her, too. Yeah, the vengeance is still his. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because of honor. Because of honor mm-hmm. and because of justice, too. I mean, Stephen Bonnet does horrifying things and he doesn't... He doesn't ever want to get better. He mm-hmm. becomes the icky Black Jack Randall character. Yeah. But it's honor in the sense of it needs to be Jamie that does it and not, you know, in a patriarchal system as head of the head of the tribe, head of the family. Ooh, that makes me angry. It's it's <laughs> it's his honor that has been besmirched in that way. You know, like it looks bad on him as the and I'm not okay with that. No. But that's where honor plays this role. Her honor has been taken, but it's his honor ultimately that is the So this becomes the honor killing type yep. of thing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we've talked a bit about Brie and Stephen Bonnet mm-hmm. and Acts of Mercy. She also lets him go too. She does. At the very more beginning. More than once. More than once, she lets this man go, thinking that he might be the father of her child. Yeah. Which, again, brings me to the question around forgiveness. She, I think, probably of any of the characters, I'm about to make a statement here, of any of the characters, probably <laughs> pl- shows or embodies the forgiveness arc probably more than any others. I don't know. Do you not Roger, think so? Roger has a large arc of forgiveness. He does too. with Buckley. Yeah. With Buckley and and with Jamie. Yeah, I mean, that's true. Yeah, Jamie does beat the shit out of him. You know, um, <laughs> and Ian. Yeah, and Ian. So he has to get through that as well. Mm. So okay. So in 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 the television show, Bree and Stephen Bonnet meeting in the jail is different than in the book. Yeah. In the book, they meet. The jail blows up mm-hmm. because somebody is trying to free Stephen Bonnet. Mm-hmm. And Stephen Bonnet realizes that this woman carrying his, possibly his child, Mm -hmm. is going to die. Mm -hmm. He rescues her Mm -hmm. in a bizarre act of mercy, Mm -hmm. and she lets him run free. Mm -hmm. So they're much more intertwined in the book than they are in the TV show. Yeah, and so she allows him to go. He frees her and Mm -hmm. saves her. Mm -hmm. It's it's a it's a bit of a quandary as to. Stephen Bonnet in the television show is much more dastardly. Yeah. I mean, they're terrible. It's a terrible character, period. Mm. But he's not as... He has no redemptive qualities at all in the television show. Mm. And in the book, he has a couple. Mm. In the book, he's more complicated. Let's put it that way. Yeah. So Um, he isn't the purely blackjack character in the books. 
Yeah. Because there are some sort of yeah charming qualities. And he gives her he gives her the diamond just like he does in the mm. television show. But mm. there's other things that he does for her. Roger and Buckley, and Roger and Ian and Jamie. Yeah. And Roger and Stephen Bonnet. He hasn't forgiven uh, Stephen Bonnet either. No. And Roger's role in the killing of the men in the in the forest after Claire is raped. Yeah. And Roger making the intentional decision to not go to war after that. And the cost that it has on his soul to kill. Because he's a man of the cloth at that point. Yeah. What do we want to say about that? What I do we want to say about Roger and Buckley? Where so is Buckley the justice is- in that story? If they've gotten to forgiveness, if they've gotten to mercy, is there some kind of justice or not? What can be what can be excised against Buckley? That would be as painful as the loss of Roger's voice. Yeah. That would be as painful as the lo- almost loss of his life. Yeah. And isn't it Buckley that he takes in back in time? Yes. Yes. So, so Buckley ends up being a time traveler too. Yeah, so he's um, his great 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 grandfather <laughs> ten times over. He kisses his wife Morag, Morag mm-hmm. on the boat heading over to the States. Roger kisses Roger Buckley's kisses wife, Buckley's wife Morag, who's his great 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 grandmother, which is kind of freakish and weird. And Roger has this problem with going around kissing. He does. He kisses fans. women. Galus too, right? Yes, he kisses all kinds of. Women. Or maybe he doesn't kiss her, but there's certainly a some. There's an icky thing there going on. But then Buckley does too, and Buckley says, Mom? Yeah. Yeah, it's just a little creepy weird. weird. Um, But yeah, so he takes him on this trip through the... Or he goes through the stones. He... Mm. They end up saving each other somehow. Mm. They they end up bonding. I don't know that they ever really trust or care for each other, but they... Oh, I think they do. You think think they trust and care for each other? Yeah, I think in the last book they do. Yeah. All right. I think there's still some stuff there. I think there's, yeah. I think there's maybe some stuff there, but I I think they are committed to each other's welfare. They're yeah. a part of the same tribe. Yeah. They're a part of the same community. Yeah. I think you can still have issues with somebody and still well, yeah, be I committed mean, to their welfare. I mean, think of Dougal and Jamie. Yeah. yeah. All right. So Roger, I, I don't know that he ever... I don't know what he does, honestly. We don't really get the interior of Roger on this. On this, we get it on lots of other things. Everything else, we get it on free and time travel Mm. and theologians and Mm. God and all the other stuff that we love. That we love, but nothing on Buckley, other Mm. than Claire's observation that he looks so sad that he's lost his voice. Mm. Hang on a second. So Roger and Buckley in Echo and the Bone. There's a bit about Roger forgiving uh, Buckley in relation to the loss of Roger's voice. And Roger says in his, or is thinking, in his own case, there was a solid substratum of anger under the wariness and a good bit of confusion too. He had, from sheer necessity as well as religious conviction, go Roger, (laughs) forgiven William Buckley for his role in the hanging that had taken his voice. After all, the man had not tried to kill him personally and couldn't have known what would happen but it was a damned sight easier to forgive somebody you knew had been dead for 200 years than it was to maintain that forgiveness with the bastard living under your nose eating your food and being charming to your (laughs) wife and children yeah yeah 
Yeah. Much yeah. easier to <laughs> forgive someone who died 200 years ago. It's easier to forgive someone who's not there, who's not always exactly. there. Yeah. And interacting with you all the time. Yeah. When life is requiring you to be in relationship with that person, forgiveness is a much harder thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we should end there. Yeah. And okay, so we made the executive decision during this podcast <laughs> that we are merging the two uh, topics, vengeance and justice and forgiveness and mercy. So the next episode, we will cover the others on the list that we haven't talked about yet. So Myrta and the Duke of Sandringham, no forgiveness there. That's going to be quick. <laughs> um, but lots of vengeance but lots and of justice. Vengeance yeah. and, and what Myrta had to do to forgive himself. Oh, yes, that's true. Yeah. Oh, well, mm. Maybe there is a lot oh, there oh. after all. Um. <laughs> Claire's kidnapping and rape, which we've referred to, but there might be more there. Um, Ian, we Ian's personal journey and with Archbug. And we'll maybe come back to the Roger and, and Bree bits as well. So, right. So let's wrap this up for now. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks with a bit more. Yep. See you then. Um, right. And don't forget, we'll be doing something at the Wild Goose at Festival. Wild Goose Festival. WildGooseFestival.org. We'll, you can get tickets there. And you can there. listen to us live from there on, is it this? It's Saturday at 11.30. Okay. Yeah, so, Saturday 11.30. So let's remember that Jamie and I are going to be doing the Goose Cast, mm-hmm. um, which is just a few days after this one is released. Mm-hmm. So we're releasing this on the 8th. Of July, we will be talking on the 13th at 11:30. So tune into the Goosecast, and you can hear us live from there. We'll see you then. See you next time. All right, bye. That's it for this episode of Outlander Soul. Thanks for listening. If you love what we do, a review, especially on iTunes, but wherever you get your podcasts would be really appreciated because it helps people to find us. If you listen and like what you hear, please consider supporting us financially. Just click the support us button at our website on outlandersoul.com. There's lots of ways to donate, either via Patreon or PayPal. And every little bit helps. Also, we love hearing your comments, questions, and ideas for the show. So we'd like for you to join in the conversation. So you can reach us through our website, through email, voice memos, or social media on Facebook, Twitter, or Tumblr. You can also contact us straight by email, outlandersoulpodcast at gmail.com. All lowercase, all one word. Or you can visit our website at outlandersoul.com and fill in the contact form. Thanks again, everyone. We're going to see you again in two weeks' time. Bye. Bye.